begin to see notable uh, changes uh, in your circumstances and things like that. Uh, and uh, we're believing God. Amen. So we're going to go to a scripture that I looked at a couple of weeks ago. and We're going to kind of carry on from there. Uh, Luke 19. If you remember in the first part of the series, we looked at getting it right with God. That was the onset. That was the beginning. We've got to get it right with God. If we're talking about finances, we want to apply wisdom. Uh, you know, the fear of the Lord is the uh, beginning of all wisdom. So you got, first of all, you got to fear God in your finances. We've got to make sure the order's right. Uh, basics, and we talked about, you know, tithing and things like that, making it right with God. And uh, we understand that's foundational. And the reason why I'm mentioning that again today is because all that I'm going to say today if that isn't right, then this really doesn't, it doesn't mean much. It doesn't really apply. You know, you have to, there's an order to things uh, uh, in order to trigger such blessings. So we're carrying on in Luke 19. In fact, just after uh, the Zacchaeus uh, story and the incident with Zacchaeus, uh, but we're carrying on and we're going to pick this up in verse 12 and we're going to read down to verse 24. So if you have Luke 19, open and you're ready to follow along why don't you say amen all right amen right i'm gonna go straight into the scripture uh this afternoon so verse 12 reads these words says therefore he said a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return <clears throat> so he called 10 of his servants delivered to them 10 minors and said to them, do business until I come. Turn to your neighbor and say, do business. Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him. And he sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. So it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then they then came the first saying, Master, your miner has earned 10 miners. He said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you are faithful in very little, have authority over 10 cities. And the second came and said, Master, your miner has earned five miners. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Then another came and said, Master, here is your miner, which I've kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you. Because you're an austere man, you collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming, I might have collected it with interest? He said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to him who has 10 miners. Right. Very, very insightful and powerful parable that Jesus is giving here. The parable of the miners, this uh, delegation of resources. He's saying, here's some money. He goes away for a period of time. We get the impression from the scripture. It's a long period of time. And the expectation from the master was that they were going to deal well with what they had been entrusted with, that they were going to transact business. We said, and we turned to someone and said, do business. The reason why is because the expectation was to do something with that which you have been given. Make it fruitful. Make it worthwhile 
do something productive with it. And we see a contrast. Here is a guy who says, uh, I'm just, I've got your, your thing just as you gave it to me. Uh, I didn't want to take any risk. And here, you know, here's, here's your, uh, uh, minor back. Uh, and so, you know, we're seeing something here in the text, which we're going to break down in a little while, but I do want to uh, make a contrast here first. Because there's something that people get confused a lot when it comes to finances and when it comes particularly to investing. I need to make a clear distinction between gambling and investment. Gambling and risk, they are not the same thing. You know, we use the words interchangeably sometimes. We say, oh yeah, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to take a risk. And people say, I'll take a gamble. It's not the same thing. Gambling is very different to taking a risk or investing. I want to consider first as a bit of a foundational thing before we even launch into what we want to talk about is the gambler's destruction. I need to paint a picture here so nobody gets the wrong impression of what we are talking about. There is a destructive nature to gambling, right? We need to understand something. Gambling is destructive. Gambling is often an all or nothing proposition. What do I mean by that? It means that, you know, you take your hundred pounds, thousand pounds, a million pounds, whatever it is, uh, and you gamble it, usually when it comes to gambling, uh, it's a all or nothing. You either win big or you lose everything. It's an all or nothing proposition. But the destructive nature of gambling is uh, because the whole system itself is set up for people's collective failure. Think about this, right? If gambling was a way in which you could, uh, you know, earn your living and make money and all of that, you know, William Hill, Betfred, Paddy Power, all them things, they'd be broke. They would be broke. Think about this logically. They wouldn't be able to set up new stores and branches or whatever you call them, uh, uh, these hubs of sin and sinful activity. Uh, You know, uh, they wouldn't be able to expand in the way that they would because everyone would be winning. Everyone would be taking all that. They would be plundering William Hill and all that. But you don't see them shutting their their doors. You don't see them firing their employees. If anything, they're saying, hey, we're trying to expand. We're trying to enlarge our borders, our territory. That tells me uh, that when it comes to gambling, people are losing. People have to lose. This is the other thing with gambling. In order to win gambling, somebody else has to lose. If you're going to win, that means that someone else has to lose. If the institution is going to win, then that means that you have to lose ultimately. Have you ever heard the saying, the house always wins? Because uh, if they are going to win, they've worked out all their odds. They've worked out how many times someone needs to win to feel like they'll come back. They've worked out how many times people need to lose so that they can pay their bills. And they know the system very well. There was a guy who used to uh, come, I think we used to call him Paddy Power. Uh, you know, he used to come about, you see him in Lewisham and stuff. But, you know, my my encounters with him would be such that, you know, Lewisham High Street, you've got, uh, you know, all kinds of shops and things. And you see the same kind of people outside these shops. And this guy would be out there, you're walking by or I'm witnessing or something, handing out flyers. Like, oh, you know, boss, have you got 50p? You know, uh, he'll come over and he'll look at the flyer. He'll be talking to me about God a little bit here. Yeah, God is good. You know, generosity. And, and then he will ask me for 50p 
and I'm looking at the brother, right? And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to judge people or nothing like that, but everything's, uh, uh, you know, rough and r- raggedy and stuff. And, the, and he wants the 50p just to go straight back inside Paddy Power. And you're like, can't you see that you are losing here? Can't you see that they're saying, you're not winning. Families, marriages, careers break down because of gambling addictions. People get into gambling and it destroys the very things around them. There are articles you can research in your own time, study after study, the effects that gambling has on the brain, that it releases the same kind of chemicals. It has the same kind of pathways as drugs, that when someone takes drugs, as strongly as they get addicted, you see people, their lives are destroyed. You think, why don't they just stop taking the drugs? Well, no, no, no. Their brain is in such a way that they feel they need that fix and they're searching for a high that they got when they first got high when it was new to them something that was fresh it was new and they want that feeling again but the problem is uh, over time the, the the brain the body develops resistance and so the next time you take that hit, you realize, man, I don't feel as, as, as much as I felt when I first did it. And maybe I need to take some more. And so then they take some more because they're chasing that first high. And then the next time they did, they can't even get the hit that they got the last time. They have to take some more and take some more. And before you know it, it's like a spiral and it ends in destruction. They say that gambling has the exact same effect on the brain. Listen to this article that I read. It says research and studies into gambling's effect on the brain indicates they act activates the brain's reward system similarly to how drugs do by releasing a higher amount of dopamine. This is why people are initially attracted to gambling. It's a highly rewarding experience. As people are gambling, they're losing money. They're losing people. They're losing friendships. They're losing their marriage. They're losing the respect of their kids. They're losing everything around them. But because they feel a good way about it, they keep on coming back to it. Further on in that article, it reads this. Surely a person will recognize uh, after a while that they aren't going to win. And it's best to quit before they spend all their money, right? Well, prone, people prone to gambling addictions don't quite see the logic. They can't see it. It gets to a point where even though someone's saying, look at how much you've lost, I spoke with an old friend, bumped into him on the high street one time, and he's explaining to me, you know, I mean, just this deterioration of his life. This was one of those conversations where I walked away and I said, God, I'm so thankful that I got saved. Because me and him were, you know, we weren't like the best of friends, but we used to hang around with the same people, same kind of crowd. And I'm looking at my old friends and I'm seeing how some of them, I'm like, man, and I'm so grateful that I got saved when I got saved. I didn't get caught up in that mess. And he's telling me about 30,000 pounds that he's in debt because of gambling. I'm like, how do you get into 30,000 pounds of debt because of gambling? So he said, yeah, it just started off smaller and he just keeps on going and keeps on going. You know, I might be revealing my age. I don't know if this is still a thing, if people, young people still, you know, maybe see this. But there used to be a show back in the day, you know, called um, uh, My Wife and Kids. It's not that bad, isn't it? Hey, (laughs) you thought I was going to say something old, old. (laughs) But there's a show called My Wife and Kids. I remember... There was one particular uh, episode where the father, you know, he's always trying to teach his kids lessons. And so he tries to teach his kids lessons on how to earn money. And so he sets them a challenge. He says, hey, listen, for a week, 
If you can earn money and, you know, you, you, whatever you earn in a week, I will, at the end of the week, I'll match it. And so his youngest daughter, um, you know, she, uh, what did she do? She was, um, she was doing like a garage sale, like a boot sale. But she was taking stuff from the house, like good things from the house uh, and selling them, selling the TV and all of that stuff. Uh, then the, 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 the older daughter, she starts like a beauty salon. And so, you know, people are coming in and she's doing her thing. Then the oldest son, he thinks he's smart. Junior, he thinks he's smart. He starts uh, gambling with his friends. And so he starts rolling dice uh, and he's, you know, cards and everything. Uh, and so he's winning. He's winning. He's winning. Even his dad tries to teach him a lesson and play him in whatever game he was playing. And the dad loses and he takes his golf clubs, uh, takes everything, takes all this stuff. So the end of the week's coming. And the day before he's about to double up his money, his dad brings in a slot machine into the house. Brings a slot machine. And, uh, you know, you see this final kind of scene in the episode where, you know, he's, he sees the slot machine and he starts playing the slot machine. He gets all of his money and he's getting addicted to the, to the, to the pull of the slot machine and all of that stuff until he gets down to he's, he's lost all of his money. And so now he's looking in the couch. He's trying to find and he brings out a coin and he says, with this coin, I'm going to win it all back. And so he puts it in. And he loses again. And so the father says something which we ought to take note. He said, The house always wins. If you could win in life, just gambling your way through and just, hey, the, the luck of the draw and all of that, blah, blah, blah. Like we said, all of those institutions would completely fail, but they are thriving now more than ever. You know, there's examples of great sports persons that are very talented, but financial sense was just all over the place. And so, you know, you hear stories of people like Mike Tyson, you know, Van der Holy. I mean, the, the list is endless of people that amassed loads of money, couldn't hold on to anything because of bad habits and things like that. But there's a guy called John Daly. I don't know if you've heard of John Daly. He was a golfer. And so John Daly was known for just being wild. He would, he's always smoking and drinking and stuff. And so he'll be playing golf, but he's got a cigarette in his mouth and stuff like that. And so, you know, he's just that kind of wild kind of person. And so he got into, you know, he was, he was a gambler. And so of his wealth that he built up, they calculated it, you know, his accountants and stuff like that. They calculated that he lost around $98 million gambling. They said that he won about $43 million. And so over his career and stuff, he lost uh, around about $50 million in gambling. $50 million when they calcula calculated it all. Mike, uh, Michael Jordan, similar. I mean, he's, he's you know, all kinds of uh, uh, bets. He'll bet on absolutely anything. There was a guy called Peter Rose. He, got, he was a baseball player, and um, they, they banned him from being a Hall of Famer. Like he's got all the stats that he could be in the Hall of Fame and everything. They banned him from it. They couldn't allow him to receive any sort of recognition or trophy. Why? Because he used to bet on uh, matches. He used to bet on games uh, as a player and as a manager and all of that and all kinds of corruption uh, that just tarnished his career. The bottom line today is gambling is a destructive thing.
We have to make this clear. It is a destructive thing. God is not the author of bondage. God's not into uh, things that cause bondage. People try and use, uh, uh, you know, uh, scriptures and and and, and uh, use the name of God to justify all kind of crazy things. That like God's into them smoking their weed and taking their drugs and 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 drinking all the alcohol. So listen, God's not into bondage. Look at the fruits of those things. What it produces. God's not into destruction. And so gambling, when you see the fruit of it. And what it produces, the brokenness, the addictions, uh, homes being destroyed. Because, listen, that's not God's plan. The second thing we need to move to very quickly is the ever-present risk. What I mean by that is in life, there is always a risk. There's always going to be a risk, right? So hold that thought in your mind about the gambling. But there is always a risk when it comes to life. A pastor recently spoke to me and he was explaining, uh, you know, he got stirred about some things, speaking with a friend. Uh, and, you know, his friend said to him, uh, he's another pastor as well. He said, uh, listen, you know, uh, 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 if, if we're going to see revival, we have to take risks. We have to step out. We have to do things. Uh, it means sometimes we've got to spend money. Uh, we've got to invest. Uh, we've got to do this, give up uh, uh, careers. We've got to take time and do things that uh, we've got to live uh, there has to be an element of risk but you see some people in life uh, they're trying to navigate life risk-free completely uh, no risk uh, it's the person that uh, you try and convince them hey come on the roller coaster uh, what if I die what if my leg breaks uh, what if this happens and uh, blah 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 and you know they're doing all the statistics uh, and it turns out there's like one in two point something you know billion people uh, that might get injured or whatever and they're like no that's too risky for me too risky for me. I can't do it. And there are people that live their lives through the lens of minimizing every single risk possible. Now look at our text. We're going to go to our scripture now. Uh, Luke 19. I'm going to read from verse 20 going down just quickly. Yeah? The Bible says, then another came saying, Master, here is your minor, which I've kept and put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, for you're an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why didn't you then put my money uh, with the bankers uh, and that my coming, I might have collected it with interest. So here is a man who says, I'm going to be smart. I know what I'm going to do. I've been given something and uh, I'm just going to completely eliminate all risk. I'm going to live life completely risk-free. I'm going to make sure nothing happens to that and then I can present it back to God or present it back to the master exactly how he gave it to me. He said, I'm going to live a risk-free life. Listen to me, church. Attempting to live life with zero risk never ends well. Trying to live life with absolutely no risk never ends well. It actually ends up in you being more likely to lose everything. Because you risk nothing, you risk everything, one man said. You don't want to step out. You don't want to take a risk. You can never take a chance. And therefore, it ends up being taken away and given to someone who will deal well with it and say, you know, I'm willing to step out. I'll take a step of faith. This can apply in many areas. I know we're talking about money today, but there are some people that God will stir your heart to take a risk, to do something for him and step out. And listen, you can't afford to live life with zero risk. Am I saying be reckless? No. We established from the get-go, gambling's not the way, but it doesn't mean that life should be completely risk-free. We're making a distinction here this afternoon. There is an ever-present risk. No matter what you do with money, there's always a risk. 
If you say, I don't trust the bank, right? So I'm going to get my money. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get 50, 50 pound notes uh, and I'm going to store them, I'm going to put them in a rubber band. So I'm going to put it uh, under my bed. And as I sleep, uh, I can just smell the money. And, uh, you know, when I wake up, I come back every, every day, I kiss the box, kiss the box of money uh, and leave it. I'll be back. And then you go off to work uh, and you put some more money in there. Listen, you watch if a fire breaks out in your house. <laughs> there's risk, right? No matter what you try and do, there's risk. A flood comes, uh, uh, someone breaks into your house, a thief comes in uh, and they've stolen all of your fortune because it was right there accessible for them. There's risk. If you then say, I'm going to put everything in the bank, right? And you think, oh, the bank bulletproof. Nothing could ever happen. I'm covered. There's all sorts of schemes uh, and insurance that will protect me. Yeah, people don't do their research. 85K, yeah, FSCS, uh, I think that's the name of the scheme. 85K will be protected. But you know, in 2008, when the credit crunch happened, you know, there were queues of people trying to get their money out of the bank. Banks like Northern Rock and stuff like that, thing of the past. Uh, queues of people trying to get their money out because they're desperately panicking. They've got half a million pounds sitting in the bank uh, and they know if the bank goes bust, all right, they'll get 85K, <laughs> but that's a big difference. And so people are scared. People are afraid. You think there's no risk in the bank. There's risk. You then take your money and say, all right, let me just, all right, I'll put it all in the markets. Okay, the market crashes. You need to withdraw your money on a low and all of that. You've risked, you've lost. There's all kinds of risks, no matter what you do. Oh, I'll just buy a property. And then, you know, there'll be no risk with that. Listen, many properties can become money pits, constantly repairs, this, that, and that. You lose your job. You can't pay your mortgage. House gets repossessed. The risk, it goes everywhere you look in life, no matter what you do with money, there is always going to be an element of risk. Get used to it. Risk is not just uh, in terms of what we do with physical cash. Uh, everything, transactions, there's risk. You go to an employer, you say, I will work for you. Uh, there's risk. Oh, you think that employers can't do you wrong. <laughs> employers can do you dirty. <laughs> they can do you wrong. A guy, you know, just, uh, I was working, uh, I've been working on the site last couple of weeks. Uh, a guy comes, he's joining the team. He says, uh, you know, I was working for a particular uh, guy and I was doing this work, uh, laying these floors and stuff like that. And he worked for three months and got one month's pay. And there's nothing he could do about it. He tried to fight it. Oh, you think, yeah, the courts would just make it happen. Uh, listen, if they just turn around, close down the business, what are you going to do? There's nothing. There's risk. Education, there's a risk. You go and you study. Uh, you spend three, invest uh, three, four years uh, into uni, some even more, master's degrees and all of that. And you'll find there are tons of people that are working jobs uh, that aren't even remotely connected to what they studied. You took a risk. You know, I thought it was going to, payoff. I thought it was going to, but it hasn't gone that way. Everywhere in life, wherever you turn, there is investment and there is risk. Things may not work out how you want them to work out. In school, we're taught that there are certain ways of life and it's kind of, you know, risk-free, but that's actually just not true. Everywhere you look, there's investment and there is risk. Now, let's go back to this thing. Let's try and marry this up now. So gambling and investment, there are some very clear differences. The Bible says in our scripture in verse 13, the instruction is do business until I come. The, the master is expecting something of these people. He's not expecting them to gamble. 
but he's inspect he's he's expecting an investment he's expecting a return on his investment he turns around in in verse 15 he says i want to see how much they've gained by trading i want to see how much they've gained how, what's the increase what's uh, what, what's the status and so he comes back uh, and he's expecting uh, and two of them you know meet his expectations they've done something with it they've traded they've done things and blah blah, blah. and so there is a clear expectation uh, therefore we can conclude that if the master was expecting a return on his investment a key cr- question that comes up oftentimes uh, is investing as a christian just the same as gambling well, the answer is no, because the master here is expecting a return. He's, ex- he's invested. He's expecting a return. It can't be sinful then, but it has to be wisdom applied. The master doesn't want us to just sit on what we have, but he doesn't want us to just gamble away what we have either. He expected a return on his investment. There are some clear differences on investing and gambling. One of those is that investing if you take money and you invest in a company or you invest in something, uh, you are investing in what you believe is going to contribute toward the greater good or the common good. The, uh, you know, the contrast is that with gambling, you are contributing to a system that's actually set against the common good. It's set actually toward destroying and particularly those uh, in poorer uh, uh, demographics and poorer geographical locations. One of the things I've mentioned this before, but we took impact teams over to Trinidad. The first time we went there and the second time we went there, there were some clear differences on the streets in Trinidad in the busier areas. And so one of those differences is we're seeing an infiltration, these new betting shops that have come up uh, and, uh, you know, casinos that have popped up uh, and uh, many Chinese investors have sent money over and built in the Caribbean, all over the Caribbean. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, casinos, uh, uh, betting places and stuff. What you, you think that they're doing that to help prosper the people? No, no, no. That's set up for the destruction, destruction uh, of poor people that, you know, are going to get hooked on these things uh, and uh, the house is going to win. Second thing, the difference is that wise investing is rarely, wise investing is rarely ever an all or nothing risk. It's not usually a, this is it. If this doesn't go well, then I've lost everything. You know, whereas gambling usually is. The third difference is that investment usually allows you to choose your degree of risk with more clarity. Gambling, the odds are set for you. Gambling and risk, they're not the same thing. Uh, you know, me and my cousin, to help illustrate this, me and my cousin used to, we used to play a lot of uh, pool and, and snooker. And so, you know, we got pretty good and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes what happens, right? And some of the guys we've been, been 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 playing and stuff like that. And so, you know, when we go out and play, you might get to a point where you're at the table now, yeah, and and you don't have a clear shot. There's no sort of, you know, your ball is hidden or it's blocked. Or you haven't got a clear shot that you can make toward a pocket. And so, me and my cousin, what we used to call that situation is when we looked at that, is we call it a hit and hope. Right. Because you're going to look at the table and all you're going to do is hit your ball as hard as you can and hope that it hits something else. And maybe by a stroke of chance, one of your balls is going to go into the pocket and everything's good. And we just always call, oh, yeah, it's a hit and hope. You know, you're blocked. It's a hit and hope, hit and hope, hit and hope. And we kind of just coined that phrase. But you know what would be ridiculous is if you saw like a professional 
snooker player or a pool player come up and they're on TV, there's lights and everything. And from the onset, the beginning of the game, they see all of their balls uh, and all they're doing, uh, every single shot, a uh, hit and hope. Hit and hope. Hit and hope. Let's see what happens. Uh, listen, a hit and hope can backfire. One of your opponent's balls can go into the pocket. You might end up in a worse situation afterwards, a worse shot afterwards. Uh, it can go any sort of way. There's no strategy. Uh, there's no intellect behind it. It's literally just hitting and hoping for the best. Uh, that is what gambling looks like. That when you take money uh, and you just ate blindly and you just ate whatever, it's a hit and hope. Whereas investing is more like, you know what? I've lined up my shot. I can see what I want to do. There's a risk that I might not make the shot. Every professional snooker or pool player, they, they, there's a risk. They might not make it. You know, they might miss. Okay, cool. But the aim is that you're going to hit it more times than you're going to miss it. There's a strategy behind it. There's something deliberate. You've thought this through. You've done your research. This is the difference. One of the clear-cut differences between gambling and investing. There is wisdom that needs to be applied. How many know what we need to do and cultivate is wise earthly investments? That requires us to apply wisdom today. The truth is, yes, people are always investing and there's nothing in life that is without risk. But with investment, wisdom needs to be applied. You will note today that I haven't said uh, this is the kind of investment you need to do. This is da, 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 da. that's a whole, you know, investment is a very broad term. But blind investment, listen to me, blind investment with no research or no willingness to consult someone that knows about investment is really it's another form of a hit and hope. It's just as good as gambling. You're just taking money and just say, oh, you know, I just just see see whatever happens happens. There has to be a there has to be something deliberate. I want you to quickly flick over to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Just flick over there with me. Just real quickly, amen, before we uh, get ready to pray, because the Bible has some great insight for us here. And Solomon's words, they bring uh, a lot of direction, especially on this matter. There we go. Amen. Ecclesiastes 11, I'm going to read from one to six. Watch the, watch the Bible. It says, cast your bread upon the waters for you'll find it after many days give a serving to seven and also to eight for you do not know what evil will be on the earth if clouds are full of rain they empty themselves upon the earth and if a tree falls to the south or in the north in the place where the trees fall falls there it shall lie he who observes the wind will not sow he regards the clouds will not reap and if you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Verse 6. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you do not know what will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So scripture, good scripture to take note of. And when you're talking, thinking about investment and you're thinking about allocation of funds and resources and things like very, very good scripture because uh, it highlights some key things about wise investing. One, the encouragement of the scripture is to diversify your investment. 
says cast your bread upon the waters he doesn't say just you know the water he doesn't say just just here so cast your bread upon the waters there's wisdom in diversifying you spread that you 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 go into different things why it minimizes risk uh, while still bringing about good returns Uh, he says invest even when circumstances aren't ideal he says you look at the clouds and you see if you regard the winds you regard the cloud then you're not going to sow he said no no just do what you need to do cultivate a habit uh, 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 a, uh, a frequent habit of inve- a discipline of investing he also encourages to spread risk he also encourages to be willing to release what you have but he also says hey, you know after many days you'll find it too many people are looking for the quick win when it comes to investing after many days you will find it the scripture is saying that there needs to be a patient element to invest in that you go for the patient approach you take a calculated risk you don't reckless just say, oh yeah i just want overnight i just want to blow up yeah those those stories are very few and far between and usually people that made money just like that lose it just like that whereas gradually over time you are allowing time for your character to be built up so that as you step into a new realm of financial prosperity and things like you've God's built enough character in you to handle the next stage and you're growing as your circumstance is growing he says after many days not today not don't come back to the lake later on today and say where is it you know or, or, or the next morning is oh is it here yet no no after many days give it some time I mean, no, wisdom in investing means that you're going to have to think about what you're investing in, right? Just a little side note, uh, you know, that people will use the term, I think, ethical investment, right? And just, you know, what is uh, good to invest in? For example, as a Christian, you probably want to be checking some companies that, you know, you don't want to be pumping money, your money uh, uh, into companies that are, for example, creating uh, abortion pills or something like that. You know, you wouldn't want to do, you know, it's your conviction, but I certainly wouldn't want to do that, right? You know, you wouldn't want to be pumping money into something that's completely uh, destructive or, you know, your your next... uh, uh, you might be investing in a paddy power or something like that, you know, after all that we've just said about it. And so you, you do want to think about that. Now, some things you won't know, of course, and uh, but when you do know, you've got to think about, okay, do I want to continue to invest in such a way? You know, the text in our scripture, just before we pray, um, there is a clear reward system. The master rewards those Uh, with true riches he says you're going to be over cities you're going to have authority why because you dealt well with the earthly investments see good earthly investment will lead to uh, sure eternal impact right good earthly investment should lead you somewhere it shouldn't be just because you know i'm just gonna have bare money so i can just do loads of things it, it it should lead you somewhere it should have some sort of eternal impact you know the bible says and and jesus makes it clear in matthew 6 he says don't lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so jesus is saying yeah i mean it's all good and well i was talking about investment but the greatest investment is the investment in eternity It's investment that's going to have eternal impact and so then the question becomes to the christian is what is your investment leading to it's fine yeah we want to learn more about money we want to learn more about this we want to prosper and all that but for what why what's it leading you to what's the end goal what are you going to do with that 
wealth what you're going to do with that prosperity ephesians 4 verse 28 says let him who stole steal no longer that's a good word for someone amen let him who stole steal no longer amen but rather <laughs> let him labor <laughs> working with his hands what is good right so he's saying if you used to steal don't steal no more go and work go and labor right that he may have something to give to him who has need the point is is that yeah you you, you stopped stealing now you're working why he says that you may have something to it's gonna have some sort of eternal impact at the end of the day you want to be thinking about okay the money that i've built up the the wealth that has it got any sort of eternal impact to the end of the day i'm not saying that everything you make needs to be given to the poor you know but we've got to live we've got to survive you can enjoy life you can but you do have to deliberately make a decision and say that i'm going to do something i'm going to set something aside for purposes bigger than just my own selfish desires i gotta set something aside uh for those uh, in need he says that he may have something to give amen let's bow our heads and close our eyes uh, 